0: Welcome to Time for Hope, a ministry of Hope for Living Media Church and Bible Study Time Incorporated. Here's your pastor and host, Dr. Frida Cruz.
1: Welcome to Time for Hope. I'm Dr. Frieda Cruz, your host, and joining me for the second week are authors, Dr. Stephen Cutchins, a pastor and author, and worship leader, Jeff Bumgardner, who serve at the First Baptist Church in North Augusta, South Carolina, and have co-authored a book titled, Green Hearts, subtitled, God's Goodness in the Worst of Times that we will be concluding our discussion on today. Inspired by the sudden death of Jeff Bumpgardner's 10-year-old daughter, Ella, who loved green hearts, Stephen and Jeff relate how to walk through life's most tragic and painful situations with the help of the goodness and faithfulness of God, since he has promises to always be with us and to carry us through life's valleys. For more, stay with us. And Jeff and Dr. Cutchins, uh, we went out talking about that grief can come from any loss. It can be small, big, uh, little, whatever, but loss produces grief. And one of the best things uh I know you all recommend counseling. I think, I, actually I think I believe, I have read in your book that maybe both of you do uh, go to counseling or have gone to counseling in the past.
2: I mentioned specifically in the book uh, and purposefully that there have been times in my life as a leader, as a pastor, just as a, a man, as a human being that I felt the need to go in and seek some help. Um, right after my wife's um, father passed away. We were living in Austin, Texas at the time. And she was going through an intense amount of grief. I was uh, working probably one of the most demanding jobs I've ever had, Uh, just a a very fast pace of life. Our kids were at a certain age. And we had just moved from the East Coast to Central Time Zone in Austin, Texas. And so we were very disconnected from our family of origin and friends. And uh, that was the first time that we really reached out and tried to find some, uh, some counseling help. And man, did it change our marriage. It really helped us get into the new season of life successfully and kind of deal with some things that had gone undealt with for a while. And I think the reason I was so hesitant to do that was because my dad was a counselor. He had a PhD in counseling psychology. So I grew up with a counselor thinking, why in the world would I need to go to counseling? I mean, my dad was a counselor, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm good. But um, I never will forget a mentor of mine at a retreat Uh, saying that, um, just kind of in passing, that he had been to counseling. He was a pastor, and I was serving underneath him, and he just said, in my counseling session, so-and-so. And And it really caught my ear because I thought it was odd that he would be in counseling. I thought, what in the world is he doing in counseling? He's got it all together. And then it hit me. That's why he's living such a balanced and successful life is because when he needs help, he's willing to reach out and get it.
1: How about you, um,
2: Jeff?
3: Yeah, I think the stigma that a lot of people have with counseling is that that's the last resort, or, or, and when uh, um, when I'm desperate enough. Mm. Um, but I think, as as Stephen said just a moment ago, it's those uh, through counseling and through uh, even mentoring relationships that we can find a better balance within our lives, mm-hmm. and uh, and especially when we're facing a tragedy or we're facing a loss of any kind. Um, Uh, If we have those relationships already in place, then we're able to encounter and uh, even experience
2: victory a lot sooner um, when we walk through those those times. If I'm remembering correctly, we kind of did some inventory on how many people we had connected with just in ministry in the numerous states that Mm -hmm. we've served in, different time zones in the United States. And either we talked about this or it was in the book, I can't actually remember, but we, we kind of went back and forth about how many hallway conversations we'd had with people that were dealing with very heavy things. And as pastors, we're a lot of times the front line for a conversation like that. People will come to us either because they know we've been through something similar or they just trust us as a, as a trusted source to come and, and, and talk about some of the deeper, more serious and maybe private issues they're dealing with. But there's no way from our seat onto the bus that we can really walk step by step through the therapeutic aspects of what they may need. And there are people that have trained and gone to school and have done countless hours of, of getting licensed to meet people in those moments. And finding a right counselor is, a, is something that I enjoy as a pastor helping people do. But I would encourage all Christians... Uh, and certainly Christian leaders like us, I'm very committed to saying hey we need to refer people and not just have a hallway conversation with them but help them get to somebody that can walk through that journey with them.
1: I think I've shared with you off camera that I was a licensed professional counselor Christian counselor, and it became a Christian counselor, but I was licensed as a professional counselor in the state of South Carolina. Now, if I remember right, South Carolina was the first state to require uh, licensing uh, or offer licensing um, period uh, for persons that were doing it, especially in churches uh, and so forth, and uh, they have had to go through whatever it took to to get the license but i, I if i if I'm remembering right it's been quite a while uh, since I had my doctorate uh, in um, you know in, in uh, counseling not in, i started i did my masters in counseling and then i moved that over uh, and received a doctorate of ministry degree from trinity evangelical divinity school by the way i have to g- give myself <laughs> this that was back when women were supposed to keep quiet and not speak and all that kind of stuff I was the first woman to graduate from Trinity with a Doctor of Ministry degree. How about that? Yes. had no idea. And they had me back one weekend, you know, and uh, they've been, um, it's a great school, a a great uh, school. And uh, Dr. Gary Collins, was one of the first to come forth, as you know, with Christian uh, counseling, and he was one of my professors in my uh, master's uh, program, and um, had some outstanding um, people in my life because of going the counseling route. I am still, a nationally certified counselor, even retired. Uh, there's the National Board of Certified Counselors and I am a retired member uh, and a retired certified counselor. Well, it's probably
2: easy for you to see the complications that sometimes come from a, from a theological standpoint. I, I've been exposed to folks that, that are very, and from a pastoral standpoint, they're very hesitant to, to talk about counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, or to refer people to counselors mm-hmm. but you know the greatest counselor of all is the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and he carries that title himself yes. and so there's nothing that's not unbiblical about someone being trained to understand the mind mm-hmm. the emotions mm-hmm. the psyche of what's going on inside of a human being and to be a partner in the the path now i, I don't Particularly, suggest someone just go to counseling and not be involved in a spiritual journey. <laughs> and That's I, I and, and you would with agree, you. agree with that, and you would agree yeah. that there has to be um, the biblical grounding for you to get uh, the help and the the truth that God has to offer mm-hmm. in these situations, the goodness of God in the worst of times. And in fact, we've, can't we can't without God.
3: Yeah, we put such an emphasis on that at First Baptist North Augusta that we have. Yeah. Uh, licensed professional counselors on staff with us Mm -hmm. at the church. And so we'll walk people through some spiritual counseling. But when Mm -hmm. it gets into uh, some of the places where uh, they need even even a deeper walk with with someone uh, we refer them to those we, that we, we have on staff here. with us
1: we, yeah. we, we, we have uh, great referrals and especially as I mentioned off-camera again having been associated with the American uh, Association of Christian counselors mm-hmm. uh, dr. Tim Clinton done a wonderful job and did a wonderful job he and dr. Collins started out together Uh, with um, they purchased uh, a a counseling service that was already going on and and, and it only had about I think about a thousand members or something like that when they purchased it. Uh, when I left there, having chaired the board for five years, uh, it had already reached fifty thousand members of Christian you know Christian counselors. And I don't you've just brought up to brought me up to date on some of the things that are going yeah, on. Yeah, just uh,
2: at the time we're recording this, just last week there were over seven thousand folks that like myself that are associated. With this American Association of Christian Counselors gathered in Nashville Mm -hmm. uh, from 34 different countries and from all over the United States, certainly. And, um, you know, one of the things that Tim actually said uh, and that they covered in the conference, they all alluded to the fact that in the Christian uh, church, we are really missing some opportunities. And I think for a long time, the many local churches, perhaps our own included, we're kind of late to get to the game uh, and to be ready and prepared to help people, proactively prepared mm-hmm. to help people find the solutions and to and to go on this journey of finding God's goodness in their difficult grieving times.
1: Many churches today have a uh, Professional counselor that's on right. the staff. Isn't that encouraging? And that's very it's encouraging, so encouraging. Mm-hmm. and I uh, we're almost out of time for this first section. Can you believe that? And we were going. I was going to turn to Jeff and ask him to share more about what he went uh, through uh, with uh, Ella's. Um, death and i learned from him off camera that it was a short time actually that he even knew that his daughter was ill and in trouble and that this uh, uh, could happen when we come back i want to hear from you uh, personally about uh, what you told me off camera and some of the things that you went through uh, as uh, with the loss of your daughter. And you've, in, you've told me you have three children left, mm-hmm. a son and two, two more daughters, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we want, I want to pick up with that when we come back off this break, okay? And we will be right back. Dr. Norman Wright relates in his book, Recovering from the Losses of Life. When you enter into grief, you enter into the valley of shadows. There is nothing heroic or noble about grief. It is painful. It is work. It is a lingering process. The death of a child generates the most intense grief because it is unnatural and it seems so wrong. And a parent's grief is compounded when the child dies suddenly and unexpected. Whether it is a child or other loved one, our whole being rebels against significant loss. Our grief response can include disbelief, shock, anger, guilt, hopelessness, anxiety, depression, psychosomatic complaints, and even the desire to die in order to be with the lost person. We respond to grief in different ways, depending on our personalities, our emotional history, our relationship with the Creator God, what we believe about the afterlife, and where our loved one is. Our emotional support and our beliefs related to appropriate and inappropriate grief. But to recover from our losses, we must grieve. The following directions have proven to be healthy responses to grief let the tears flow unashamedly. Talk about your loss and feelings with those who understand and don't believe the lie that Christians are to remain strong and refuse to grieve. Three, get out the photo album and remember the good times you shared with your loved one and don't allow yourself to feel guilty for laughing because this does not mean you are forgetting they are gone or failing to grieve their loss. Instead, you are allowing them to continue living in your memories of them. Four, write down your feelings and thoughts as you think about your lost loved one. This will provide a record of your grief journey, which can give encouragement when reviewed. And five, know that eventually you must accept the reality of your loss and begin the process of letting your loved one go and learning to move on without them. And most importantly, believe and look to God and His promises to see you through. Doing this as we grieve can actually draw us into an intimate or more intimate relationship with the Creator God. He promises in Isaiah 43 verses 2 through 3. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God." Thanks for hanging in there with us on time for hope and again i want to encourage you to may already think about uh and maybe making the decision that you're going to order uh, this book because we there is so much you can learn uh from what i call past prophets and preachers that are in here and other people that have gone through very sad uh, losses uh, and experienced a lot of grief. And uh, it also, they uh, eventually um, have some answers as we've already done uh, with a few of them about why God allows, why God allows pain, evil, and suffering. Uh, In the world and you might have been wrestling with that question for a long time They've got a great answers great answers uh, To such questions in their book green Hearts and uh, so I'm encouraging you to make sure and our announcer at the end of the show will tell you uh, How to how to go about doing that in the meantime Jeff? I want to hear more about you losing Ella because talking to you off camera it was a quick thing. Uh, and as I told you, I had a guest not long ago that was telling about something that happened to him and every time it happened, he felt like he got a kick in the, in the stomach uh, and that's the way it would hit him. Uh, how did it hit you when uh, you were going through this with Ella?
3: It was a Wednesday night. We were at church and I was in choir rehearsal and um, I had a call from the door and it was my assistant telling me something was wrong with Ella. By the time I got to her, uh, she had lost her ability to see, her ability to speak. Um, she could move her arms a little bit when I'd ask her, are, can you hear me? She'd give me a thumbs up and ask her, where are you hurting? And she was trying to point. And I uh, it was, we later found out, it was a, uh, an AVM, an arteriovenous malformation that she'd had since birth that we never knew anything about and it was located in her brain near the brain stem and that's a, um, an entanglement of veins and arteries and so that pressure coming from the arteries over the ten years of her life uh, hitting into those veins created a weak weak points in the veins and so the rupture that happened was very catastrophic and because of the location in the brain she started losing her ability to speak and see and those things quickly and eventually her ability to breathe on her own. um, They got her to the hospital, they stabilized her, got her in for some uh, from some brain scans to find out that that's what we were looking at and so that was the first news that um, that we uh, heard that uh, it, it was very um, a very hopeless moment in that situation that she would even survive it. So they rushed her into surgery, and it was two days later when they pronounced her deceased. And in that time, we did a lot of uh, a lot of questioning and a lot of trying to figure out what was going on and what was what our lives were going to be like without our ten-year-old. And uh, she's the third of four of our kids. And so we're not only struggling with our loss, but how do we walk our kids through this tragedy and the loss of their sister? And it changed the whole dynamic of our family and everything we had, uh, had thought about. You know, when you sit around a table and you've got six chairs and now one of them's empty every time you meet together as a family. Uh, you're faced with that uh, every single day. So we had to quickly find some answers as to how are we gonna deal with this moving forward and as well in leadership and ministry, leading other families and other people, how are we going to speak hope from our tragedy into what they're facing? Uh, Because we're not the only people who have lost a child. We're not the only people who have walked through uh, uh, times of desperation. And uh, we decided to be real and honest and very transparent with our story that we hurt and we're facing loss and we don't have all the answers, but we know the God who does. And uh, our God has really walked us through that, even through the opportunity to donate her or, her organs and uh, give life to other people. And that's been something that's brought us a lot of joy and a lot of hope, even in the darkness, because we've been able to have contact with some of those people that uh, now are alive because of Ella. And so, though we didn't get the miracle we were praying for in uh, Ella's survival, um, she got to be the miracle that others were praying for in their lives and that's been powerful for us to see that God's plan is bigger than our plans, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways and who can know them? And so in those times we've just learned to trust and to understand that God has the big picture in view. And if we can just keep our eyes focused on Him, uh, even though we may walk this life and never have all the answers that we want, uh, we can trust that, uh, that His plan is greater and it's for His glory and for our good. And, uh, and we know that that empty chair that we have at the table right now, uh, there's an empty chair near Ella at the King's table in heaven, and she's saving us a seat right there. And so one day we'll get to fill that seat and be reunited with our daughter, and that's the hope that we hold on to mm-hmm. and uh, and the truth that we speak into the lives of others.
1: Yes. you. In other words, we talked early on, I did, about mining the gold yes. uh, of a situation. That was some of the gold that you found uh, in mining the mountain of grief, wasn't it? It that really she is. Got to, uh, donate those organs uh, to others that needed them.
3: Yeah, and we've, we've also talked about um, uh, finding purpose even in your loss and honoring the loss. How do you do that? How do you honor the loss of, of someone or something that's so valuable to you? And, uh, and through that, we've created a, a foundation called Ella's Gift. And we walked those hospital halls when Ella was uh, in the hospital and saw so many other families who were desperate, and crying out to God for miracles. And through Ella's gift, we're able to give back and encourage kids who are also facing uh, health issues uh, in the hospital themselves.
1: And then I noticed in going through your book, which surprised me, you, uh, you came up with, um, out of talking of grief and loss and all that we've shared and everything, you also jumped into forgiveness mm. and forgiving other, uh, a person who has hurt you. Uh, how do you tie that in with loss and grief?
3: Well, loss is loss. And uh, you spoke to that a little while ago. Loss is loss and it doesn't just have to be through the death of a family member. Uh, it can be in so many different ways. And sometimes we find ourselves needing to forgive ourselves and sometimes the need to forgive others. And you wanna to speak to that a little bit about yeah, how we approach that. Yeah, I even when
2: we were writing the book, there was uh, a real connection with your story um, And your heart, Mm -hmm. where it was in the condition at that moment we were writing, with when when we listened to Dr. Norman Geiser's story of losing his daughter, he went into a great deal of detail about the internal struggle he had of what if I had done this? What if I had done this? What if I had been there? What if we had, you know, this, that, or the other? And the end result of that was he was what ifing himself to death, and to your point he had to forgive himself. And I, I think what we find in the Christian walk in relationship with God, talking about God's goodness in the in the worst of times, is that Sometimes God's greatest gifts come in boxes that make our hands bleed when we open them. And they leave scars. And the truth is that we don't have to hide our scars. Christ didn't hide His scars. When He came out of the grave, He walked around and freely showed His hands and His side. And He said, this, this is the weight of what I've just walked through. He didn't hide them. He didn't conceal them. And I think that's part of the journey, and that's part of the forgiving process, is just coming clean and saying, yes, this did hurt, and I don't have to hide anymore. And that goes back to the counseling and getting help, reaching out. You don't have to hide in your pain. You don't have to isolate. And that's one of the things I uh, was most impressed with the Bumgarner family as they went through it. I didn't even quite understand it, but you said it just a minute ago, the transparency. It was very clear that you guys wanted to be very transparent uh, and very real about what you were dealing with because it left a scar. And those scars don't have to be hidden. They're they're the things that make us who we are.
1: You know, I have said that we could go on for two more weeks uh, with this. There's so much, and that's why I'm so happy that I can encourage them to get a copy. Of your book, and I also want you to know how much I appreciate y'all. And it's been our I, pleasure. You, thank, uh, you. Uh,
3: thank you for having yeah, us
1: in your uh, busy world uh, <laughs> that you would come and share your time and your knowledge and your experience uh, with uh, us on uh, time for hope. And um, but I do have to share some things from some viewers as we go out and um, let them. Uh, know uh, how much I appreciate their words of encouragement. And, you know, I'm, I, I need it. Sure. I can, I'm not w- 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 admitting to counseling. I can use these words of encouragement that these viewers send in, and I encourage them uh, to do it. So uh, the first one uh, that I have says, Dear Dr. Frida, I have been watching Time for Hope a long time. Today's message was from the Lord to me. Your program is so good. And then she adds, and you are beautiful. And thank you uh, for that. And then I have a prayer request. Dear Dr. Frida. I need prayer to be set free from anger and resentment toward my ex-husband. I was married for 45 years and he was having affairs all through our marriage he has taken everything and i have to live in an apartment i want you to be assured that we take up these prayer requests not one goes unprayed over uh, when you send in your prayer request to us monday mornings are devoted uh, at 11 o'clock here uh to uh, a devotional time uh even we even have music and so on and so forth uh singing uh making uh, music uh, with the lord and and to uh with each other and so on and so forth and then we have these uh, we these prayer requests are shared not by name not by name, uh, but we share uh, the prayer requests and we pray over each and every one of them. And we invite you uh, to send in your prayer request if you would like us uh, to add it to our list on a Monday morning. And then the last thing that I would uh, ask you to do is to make sure that you join us again next week on Time for Hope.
0: Thank you for watching Time for Hope, a ministry of Hope for Living Media Church and Bible Study Time Incorporated. We offer a free fact sheet with more information on today's topic. Call or write us to get your copy today. The resource we are offering this week is available for a donation of at least $5 to the Time for Hope ministry. Any additional donation you wish to send will be greatly appreciated. Call us at 800-669-9133. Write us at Post Office Box 2169, Spartanburg, South Carolina, 29304. Or visit our website at timeforhope.org. As we continue to give out messages of hope, a financial gift of any amount to support the Time for Hope ministry will be greatly appreciated. When you send us a gift, you are joining in the ministry to which God has called us. And we greatly appreciate your teaming up with us in extending God's kingdom. Call us at 800 669-9133 669 We also encourage you to look for Dr. Frieda's scriptural devotionals on our Time for Hope TV ministry Facebook page, joining with the many others who are already appreciating them. Until next time, have a great week and remember, it is Time for Hope.